This morning, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and they'll put that up on the board. Well, I'll preach a pastoral message today to the church by and large. But if you're listening to me today or we'll listen in the future or if you're here in this building and you've never been born again of the Spirit of God, Jesus said you must be born again. And he said, except you be born again, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. And uh, the way to be saved is not try to live better, not start going to church. The way to get saved is admit you're a sinner, that you're guilty before Almighty God. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And come to God for mercy. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that he suffered for you and died for you and shed his blood and died in your place, rose from the dead. Believe on him. God will save you. Amen. You can get saved sitting in your seat here today while I preach this message. And I want you to know something today. This church is not here to play mind games with you. We're not here to play religion with you. We care where you spend eternity. Amen. We want you to go to heaven and Jesus Amen. on the way you're going. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We just read it. No man come to the Father but by me. So if you're not saved, I'd like to encourage you to be sure about that today. I'm going to preach a message, maybe before too long, entitled The Theology of the Thief. You ever think about that? He never did even have, he didn't have a chance to get baptized. He didn't have a chance to join the church. He didn't, he didn't go forward. Didn't get sprinkled. Didn't get baptized. Hmm? Didn't do any kind of works. But he went to heaven. Because of faith in Jesus Christ. And that's it. Don't let people make it complicated for you. I mean, right where you're sitting today, in your heart, you can say, Lord Jesus. I'm receiving you now. I'm believing on you as my Savior. I'm receiving you into my heart and my life. I believe that you died for me on the cross and was buried and rose again. God will save you right where you're at. I'm glad God saved you anywhere. Amen. I'm glad that he hears your prayers anywhere. Well, I tell you, God's good. First Timothy, we're preaching through the book of First Timothy. Paul is, is, uh, is a letter primarily uh, to a young preacher. But the whole theme of the book is in verse 15 of chapter 3, where he says, But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. And Paul talks about doctrine and so many different things, and he's going to talk about so many different subjects. And we've last week preached on all that, and we got down to about verse number 12. And I want to again say that everybody in this church, maybe tonight, I want to give you three lists, three verses in the Bible that have lists in them that's good to memorize. In verse number 12, chapter 4, he lists six things that we're to be an example of the believers in. He said in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Now, we're going to take off at verse 13, and then I'm going to get to the subject, but I'm just going to go ahead and preach through these verses to get to the subject I want to get to today. And I want to tell you that God has dealt with me this week as a pastor, and I wouldn't say chastised me, but rebuked me. And we're going to talk about some things today I believe the church needs to do and will do. Verse number 13, he told Timothy this, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Now, I want to tell you something. If you're going to be a preacher, you need to read. We have a Christian school here, and one of the first things we do is teach phonics. Phonics is the way to teach how to read. 
Let me just tell you something. If you can read, you can keep yourself from being lied to. And I'm a strong believer that every child needs to learn how to read and read well and read and, art, and, and articulate what he's reading and read with comprehension. Right. It would shock you to go out here and just visit with some kids who are graduated, have a diploma and they don't know how to read. That's a shame. Amen. Now, particularly if you're going to preach the word of God, you need to read the Bible and you need to read it a lot. I mean, you need to read it a lot. I'm talking about several chapters a day, maybe even 10, maybe 20 chapters a day. He said, he said Timothy, uh, he said, you give attendance to reading. Then he said, as a preacher, the next thing you do is give attendance to exhortation. Now, exhortation, I call that spiritual cheerleading. Now, you listen to me. Exhorting means that when people come into church, that you're kind of cheerfully encouraging them to live for God. You don't get up and beat them over the head and tell them how sorry. You know, I do that once in a while, don't I? I say, tell you how sorry and low down you are and all that. But preaching should have exhortation. It should make, encourage people to want to do right. You know, I mean, he just exhortation. So, and by the way, this is not just for preachers. This is for parents. You'll get a lot farther exhorting children than you will tearing them up. People need exhortation. They need, exhorting is lifting people up, encouraging people, admonishing people to look up and be encouraged and giving people hope and giving people optimistic out view on life. People need that. Amen. I mean, if you listen to the news, I mean, isn't it a mess? I mean, it's just the most discouraging thing in the world to watch any kind of news. You come to church, you ought to get some exhortation, be encouraged. He's coming back. It's going to be okay. You're going to make it. If he saved you, he saved you forever. He loves you. He'll never quit loving you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He's building you a home in heaven. I mean, there's a lot to exhort people about. But we also ought to be exhorted about going out and just living right. Love your wife. Love your husband. Love your children. Do right. Pay your bills and do right. And people need to be exhorted from the word of God, the truths of the word of God, the commands of the word of God. Now. He said, then the doctrine, doctrine is so important. I'm not going to take much time on this, but we talked about this today. I'm telling you right now, you need to know doctrine. You need to know what you believe. Is it biblical or not? Is it truly in the Bible? And if it's in the Bible, has it been rightly divided and rightly applied to the, in context and so forth and all that? Doctrine is critical. If you don't know it, do you know why somebody gets converted, quote, to Mormonism? They don't know doctrine. Don't, I don't care what your name tag is. I don't care how long you've been a member of some church. I don't care how many years straight Sunday school you went. If you don't know doctrine, the Jehovah Witnesses can fool you in 15 minutes. And you know what? They'll, they admit that the reason that the success they have is because of the ignorance of people who go to church every Sunday. The Jehovah Witnesses talk to you about the kingdom. And the average church in America never preaches on the kingdom. And so all of a sudden they show you these verses. About, well, is your preacher preaching on it? Well, no. Well, why didn't you preach a preacher about that? A lot in the Bible about that. That's important. And next thing you know, they've got, all of a sudden, watch this, all of a sudden they're in total command of the scriptures to your mind. You need to know doctrine. Okay, how are you going to know doctrine? Read the Bible, Bible, (laughs) rightly divide the word of truth, meditate in it, and get to church and get you some doctrinal study to get get it right. Amen. Amen. I'm just being honest with you. If you don't know doctrine, if you don't know doctrine, you can't even fight the internal spiritual warfare that you have with yourself inside yourself. There's some things I got to, I got to get the truth down, speaking the truth in your hearts. There's some things I got to gird up the loins of my mind about. How is that done with doctrine? I've got to take the truth of God's word, apply it to my mind and be strong in doctrine. He said, you do this. He said, you attend reading, exhortation, doctrine. Somebody says, why do you guys read the Bible in the church? Because the Bible says to. 
wouldn't hurt us to read the Bible, amen. I mean, most of these guys are watching some kind of stupid, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, verse number 14, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Big, nice religious word, <laughs> Bible word. Presbytery means a body of elders in the local church. That's all it means. Amen. And the church should have, what are elders? Elders are the older men, the heads of families in church. That's what elders are. They're the heads of families in church. They're the aged men. They're aged. You just check me out. They're aged men in the church and primarily the heads of their families. All right. By the way, if this elder thing was done right, a preacher would never have to deal with your children ever because the dad would take care of it. See, anyway, and he said, don't neglect the gift. And by the way, Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you have the various gifts and God gives them, you know, we've done study on spiritual gifts here different times. Can't get in all that this morning, but he said laying on of hands. Now I was going to preach an entire message on laying on of hands. There is something to that. Moses laid hands on Joshua. It's a biblical doctrine. Laying on of hands is identity. Now, I'm, I'm just going to back up around and just at least say this. We've got several men in this church that God has called to preach. If you're online, you go to church, get a hold of these guys. They need to be out preaching somewhere. Okay? But you know what? We also need to... Now, I said this two or three Sundays ago. I've never had a formal ordina- ordination. I just got saved. I started preaching. Church I was in, I don't think anybody there knew how to have an ordination service, to be honest with you. There wasn't a pastor there. I'm not, it, ordination is fine. In fact, if it is, here's what I'm getting to. Tobias, there's going to come a time we need to have an ordination service for you. And if any of you other guys haven't been ordained and you want one, I think we need to have ordination here on Sunday mornings. Amen. And it's during that time that hands are laid on these men right. by the elders of the church. And what it is doing is identifying, is taking, and there's several things that applies to it. One of them is it's identifying that that person has evidence of being called of God the work of the Holy Spirit anointing him and giving him unction to preach the word of God. And, and this is not just for preachers. This can be a missionary. This can be something that's specifically in the Bible mentioned about that. But laying on of hands is very important. God talks about the doctrine of laying on hands. And, and Paul told Timothy, lay hands suddenly on no man. It is a big deal. And I will tell you some of the most powerful spiritual services you'll ever be in where it's a truly biblical ordination service of laying on of hands. Now, I have had two preachers, two men lay hands on me and pray. One of them was Oscar Cunningham, happened right out here on the old wooden altar. And the other was B.R. Lakin, believe it or not. And that's my ordination for laying on hands. That's all I've ever had. Laying on hands like a lot of different things. You know, there's a lot of good things. Baptism's good. All the things are good. But sometimes people just go through the ritual and loses its real meaning in Scripture. We're going to move on beyond that today. We'll maybe, maybe I'll do some more on that later. But as I said, presbytery is the body of those local church. Now, he said in verse 15, Timothy, meditate upon these things. Let me just tell you something. Long time before the Hindu gurus got in America, oh, good old-fashioned Christian Americans were meditating in the Word of God. Long time before they ever brought the word meditation in. Meditation is a Bible word, and it means meditate upon. The, you read the Scripture, you need to memorize the Scripture, and you need to meditate this on the Scripture. That means to think on it. Now, I'm going to tell you this morning, you're going to hear a message as a result of having meditated on the text that I'm going to preach on. And you're going to see how God works messages to a church through meditation and through ministry and serving people. Now, he said, meditate upon these things. And then he said this, Timothy, give thyself wholly to them. 
holy. You don't hold back. You give God everything you are and everything you ever hope to be. That does not mean that you won't hold a job down. It may be for some men. It may not be for some men. But it means you give yourself. And if God, what, it does mean this, that if God said that you ain't holding that job, that you're willing to let it go. It means that if God says to move, you're willing to move. It means give yourself wholly to these things. You study the Bible. You have an obedient spirit to the Bible. You have a submissive spirit. You're taking orders from headquarters. Okay? And you have a willing spirit about that. Now, some of these things I can't spend a lot of time on. He said that thy prophet, he may appear to all. Let me just tell you this right now. I can, I could, any number, you can tell it appears to everybody when a man's been in the Bible and he's been in prayer and he's got something from God. It is a period. People can see it and sense it and know it. You don't have to try to prove to anybody you're a preacher. Okay? They'll know it. Now, he said, uh, verse 16, important words here. Take heed unto thyself. Probably some of the most important words ever written in the Bible to a preacher. Let me just tell all of us that serve the Lord, the longer you serve God, the greater target you are of Satan. Known Brother Ralph and Sister Chris for many. How long have you guys been here, Brother Ralph? Long time. Two thousand. I thought it was even before that. I've known them for a long time. They've served the Lord, been active in church and everything. Raised six, seven boys. How many boys did you did to get that girl? Did you? Seven boys. Just had seven. Okay. How would it affect you if they split? Divorce. Be hard to deal with, wouldn't it? Would it come across your mind that what was it all about? I thought we were Christians. I thought they served the Lord. I thought they loved God. You see, it's not just being a preacher. The longer you serve God, you need to take heed to yourself. And especially preachers. And I'm telling you, this is serious business. He said, you take heed to yourself. And here's why. He said, unto the doctrine, Continue in. The, let me give you an example of doctrine. Love, love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's doctrine. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thou shalt not steal. That's doctrine. <laughs> you know, love your neighbor. That's doctrine. Anyway, he said, take heed of thyself in the doctrine. Continue in them. There's that word continue. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Verse Corinthians 15, 58. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Here's one of the examples of what Joel was talking about in Sunday school class this morning. When you read the word save in the Bible, it doesn't always mean salvation save. It might mean being saved your marriage. It might mean saved your children from going off the deep end. It might mean saving, uh, your, saving you from going bananas. It might mean saving you from being a, what the Bible calls a castaway. He's telling Timothy, Timothy, if you don't take heed... And you let some woman mess you up, you're going to be a castaway and God's, God won't be able to use you. You go out here and don't pay your bills and get yourself in a big mess and all this kind of stuff. And, it, it, you know, he, in other words, you've ruined your ministry. He said, but if you take heed, you'll save yourself from that kind of stuff. Okay. And then that hear thee. Watch that. He said, remember, he just said, be an example of the believers. He said, folks are going to hear you. They're going to listen to you. You're preaching. You're trying, you're an example of the flock. You mess up. It's going to affect other people too. And it does. Now we're at chapter five and he's going to give about behaving yourself in the church. Man, this is wonderful. Good stuff. Everybody just go. It's a good day in the Lord. Amen. Amen. 
I know you got up early, but I'll tell you, it'll be all right. Just rest in the Lord, all right? Here's the sweetest stuff. I'm telling you some of the most wonderful, wonderful stuff in the Bible, okay? This is how you are to relate to everybody in church. Now, in this, this is so sweet. In this text, he's going to, there's father, there's brethren, I mean, there's father, there's younger men, there's elder women, the mothers, sisters. Okay, there's four things. Father, brethren, mothers, and sisters. Well, what's that compass? If you have a father and brethren and mother and sisters, what do you have? Family. family. Watch this. The church is to be a family in the spiritual sense. And in that family, there are fathers, mothers, brethren, and sisters. That's how you're to look at everybody in this church. Amen. Now, watch what he says. Notice up there in verse number, four, uh, verse number 12 of the pre previous chapter, that is the last word in that is all this example in purity. Now he's, in a, he's going to give him and say, Timothy, you're going to be pastor in the church and here's what needs to be set up. He said, don't rebuke an elder, but entreat him as a father. So there's your father figure. An elder, again, is an older man. And he's telling Timothy, you don't rebuke an older man. And I'm going to tell you something. Orville Scrivener sitting right back here. And I'm not walking up to Orville Scrivener. And I don't care what he does or says. I'm not going to rebuke him. That's right. I'm not going to smart off to him. That's right. He's older than, how old are you, Brother Orville, Orlin? He's 80 years old. That man needs to be respected. That's right. Amen. Amen. That's right. Not just an elder, but he also served our country. He's in the Navy. Amen. God says, don't you be rebuking him. He said, Reggie, if you don't like something he said, or you don't like something the way he acted, you entreat him as a father. Now, what does that mean? That means that in a normal situation, you're not going to, Ralph, your boys are not going to walk up to you and smart off to you and give you some kind of what for. They're going to entreat you as dad. You may say, I don't, son, you can't go there. And they're going to, why don't you let me go there? I'm sorry, Ralph. But anyway, I think I shocked Ralph. <laughs> Your, your boys don't act like we did. Do they? No, but he's going to, they're going to entreat him. Well, dad, why can't I go? Well, dad, is there any way that we could work it out? What is he doing? He's entreating his father. He's not rebuking him. Please, I don't care how old you are. I don't care whether you're male or female in here. And by the way, that's the only, you're either one or the other. And, and uh, I don't care who you are. You don't rebuke an elder. You don't walk up to some of these older men and smart off to them or give them a cocky look or a, a lower and stick your lip out. You be respectful to older people. And if there's something went on that you don't like or can't agree with, you entreat them. That means you appeal to them with a respectful attitude to try to fix whatever's wrong. But you don't rebuke them. You treat him as a father. So... If a man's older than you, God says, treat him as a father. Now watch the next thing. He says there in verse number uh, one, the younger as brethren. The men that are younger than me in this church, I need to treat them as brethren. Brethren is an endearing term. Brother, and that's why you heard the song. We say brother and sister around here. It's good. To, uh, can I tell you something? It's, it's honest to goodness. It's good to call. Well, let's, let's get there. Look at the next thing. You call younger men brethren. The, okay, girls, I'm going to throw this at you. Young girls, call the men of this church either fathers or brethren. It'll keep things kind of where they need to be. I'm not talking about fathers. I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about have the attitude toward older men as a father. 
and the younger, that they're younger than you as a brother. Hey, 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 wait a minute. Just, somebody give me funny looks. Young girls can get messed up with older men. That's right. Are you listening to me? And young girls can get messed up with younger boys. But if your spirit toward the, toward the men in this church is either that your spirit is like you would treat a father or as you would treat a brother, you're not going to have problems. Okay? Now watch the next thing. It says the elder women as mothers. Same thing. I'm going to treat my mother respectfully. Right? Honor her. I'm not going to smart off and I'm not going to you know, have an attitude. Now the next thing, the younger as sisters. Fellas, get this in here. All of us men. If a woman is older than us, we, our spirit toward, should be toward her as she's a mother. If she's younger than us, we should treat her as a sister. And I'm telling you, that'll keep, look what it says, with all purity. What on earth did the Holy Spirit put that little phrase at the end of it? Because he knew that your flesh can get around people. And next thing you know, you're having thoughts about things that you shouldn't be having. And you're treating them not like a sister or a mother, but as a potential. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, young couples, shouldn't, young people shouldn't get together. We're not talking about that now. We're just talking about the spirit of things and how you should relate to them. You, you heard me preach here a week or two ago. I'm all for y'all getting married to the right person. Amen. I want you, I want you to have boyfriends and girlfriends and get married. Okay. I don't, you know, get, I'm, yeah, I won't go there. Let's get off that. So that's the four areas and how he says to do that. If you can have this in a church, a church won't have much problems in those areas. Now watch the next thing. And this is where I'm going today. Honor widows that are widows indeed. Honor widows. This is what I'm preaching on today is honor widows that are widows indeed. We're going to read for just a little bit. He's going to talk about the subject of widows. I want to start this message by saying this, that how a church, a family, and children t- treat widows is a direct reflection of their true faith. Amen. You can gauge the, the genuineness of your Christian faith by how you take care of and how we take care of widows. He said, if any widow have children or nephews, let them first learn, learn first to show piety at home. Piety means Christian kindness, Christian charity, goodness. Okay. All right. Now, there's a difference here in our text as we go along between widows indeed and and a widow. And God's going to explain the difference between them. He's going to explain which ones the church should take care of and which ones the church shouldn't take care of. All right. If any widow have children or nephews, now notice something. It did not say nieces. It said nephews. What's this doing? God is putting the, uh, the responsibility upon men to take care of their families, to provide for them, to protect them, and so forth. All right? Said it, but he said, honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them first learn first to show piety at home and requite their parents. What does that mean to requite your parents? I sat down with my mother this morning, Sister Lori, and they may be listening, had a good time there with them. We talked about this. God is saying, your parents took care of you when you couldn't take care of yourself. And you need to take care of your parents when they can't take care of themselves. 
And because Christianity has failed to do that in America, we've lost our salt, we've lost our light, and we're thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden underfoot. Now, this is tough stuff this morning. It's going to be a little, get a little tight in here. I'm going to tell you something. First of all, let's, let's continue reading. For that is good and acceptable before God. <laughs> now, she that is a widow indeed and desolate. God's describing the widow indeed. She's desolate. What's that mean? She doesn't have anybody. She doesn't have anything. Trusteth in God. First of all, she's desolate. Second thing, she's trusts in God. Continues in supplications and prayers night and day. If you want an example of that in the Bible, it's Anna in the book of Luke. She is a widow and she ceased not, the Bible says, the temple to pray and to fast and serve God at the temple, okay? And she was a widow there. And so anyway, verse number six, but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. All right, God is saying, he's, he's getting ready to tell you something. He's saying, there are widows and they're not interested in serving God. They're not interested in a holy life. And they're kind of like, hey man, he's gone. I'm going to go, go live it up now. You know, the old joke is, you know, that I've always tried to make sure that if I died, Karen's next husband won't have any wood to burn. I don't want to have very much wood on the farm. I don't want her to burn much wood. <laughs> I don't want him being warm with my wood. Amen. I mean, you guys just like me. Amen. Now, my wife's sitting over going, if I ever get rid of you, there is no more. That's what she's saying. I promise you, I know exactly how she thinks. But my dad always used to say that most widows were looking out underneath the veil around the the grave to see who they might marry. Not my dad, but my grandpa. Dad used to say that's what grandpa would say. Now, God is warning us that their widows can have an attitude of just living in pleasure after they're gone. Now, in verse number seven, and these things give in charge. He said, Timothy, you give these things in charge to the church and to the widows, especially that they may be blameless. He said, and the church be blameless. Now watch verse number eight and connect it with verse number four. But if any provide not for his own and especially those of his own house, he had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Do you know what God says? That if you claim to be a Christian and you won't take care of your widowed mother, you have denied the Christian faith and are worse than an infidel. That's what God says you are. That's strong language. The church needs to get back to taking care of its widows. And I want to tell every young person, every man, including myself, I have a brother sitting right over here in van. If you don't like this, I'm, I can't help it. My mother, and his, his mother's a widow. Now, dad was very diligent in business and he prepared for his death. But I want to tell you something, that boy right there is re- the main reason my mom is not in the nursing home. Yeah. And we're responsible. Now, I don't know how different things would be if Van was married and if he was living 200 miles away. I don't know how things would be different. But I can tell you this, us five boys, and I believe every brother of mine would immediately respond if they were asked to do something for mom. I, I, I believe that. This morning as I sat down there, my mom, I said, Mom, I went to see Miss DeGase this week. She was at Ava first. She's at Mountain Grove now. I walked in that nursing home. 
they wanted me to put on everything. And I said, I, I just, I put the mask on. But anyway, they were very nice, very accommodating. I just put the mask on and didn't have to put all the other junk on. But I walked in that room and I walked, I walked down the hall and there's her, and I looked through and there she sat. And she's sitting in the chair. She's looking at the nightstand. The TV's behind her and it's on. And I spoke to her and she turned around and she smiled. And I sat down and I just started trying to visit with her. But I could pick it up real easy. She's lonely. Now, there may be other widows indeed in our church. I don't know. But God says if you have children or nephews, they're to take care of you. They're to see that you're taken care of. This is big stuff. I don't want to hear about your doctrinal position on this, that, or the other. I don't want to hear about all your religious junk. I want to know how do you take care of your mom and dad? You want to prove to me that you have any kind of faith in your heart, that you have the love of God within you? Show me that you're taking care of your widowed mother or your widowed aunt. Because if you don't, I won't put stock in you. I won't put stock in you piano playing, singing. I don't preaching, teaching. I wouldn't put a dime's worth in you if you won't take care and do the simple thing that God said to do. And I won't tell you what I said in that room. And it's like God, the Holy Ghost smote me and said, you're the pastor of that church. This woman worked for 25 years at that school. There's never been a person walked through the doors of that church been more faithful than she is. And she's down here in a nursing home wondering if anybody might happen to drift by and see her. And it's all over the country. I won't say public. I think my brother, I'm not trying to pat his nothing. I don't operate that way. But it makes me, as I read this and meditate upon this, it makes me realize then you're demonstrating genuine Christianity. You know, he might be up with my mother four times in the night. I'm up her sleeping comfortably and sound in my bed. Now, my mama told me this morning she did not want me as a caregiver. <laughs> Amen. What happened was, I said, Mama, you wouldn't want me as a caregiver. She said, you got that right. <laughs> She's told you that many times. Okay. I, I would just go, ah, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Call somebody. I don't know. Now, what does it mean to honor a widow indeed? It means to esteem them highly. Are you listening? We are to esteem the widows of our church very highly. We are to respect them. We're to venerate them. We're to raise them to a level of distinction in our church. And we are to perform duties relative to that honor. A widow indeed in verse number five is desolate. She trusts in God. She is a prayer and that's what churches need. And if you think elderly women or widows can't have a ministry, you've lost your mind. Man, how we need women who are praying behind the door. Now let's continue on reading so that you make sure you don't think this is my idea. Verse number nine, let not a widow be taken into the number. Under, now when he says be taken into the number, that means under the charge and care of the church. Okay. 
under three score years old. That's 60 years old. That's God writing it. He made that rule. I did it. Having been the wife of one man. Well reported of. Here's the list of a widow indeed. Good works. Brought up children. She have lodged strangers. By the way, brought up children. She might not have bared them, but she might have helped bring them up. I can tell you about Miss DeGay. She helped bring up hundreds of them here at this school. If she have lodged strangers, she have washed the saints' feet. Now, I, I kind of get tickled. If you want to wash somebody's feet, I don't, that doesn't, you know, but I'm going to tell you about foot washing as far as I'm concerned. You can wash somebody's feet all you want to, but if you won't go serve others in a compassionate, committed, sacrificial way, you don't know what washing feet means. There are people in this church, particularly ladies in this church, and I'm not going to start mentioning names for a fear I might miss them, but they go visit these widows and they do things for them and they help them and they minister to them. And sometimes they just sit and visit with them, which is very, very important to them. These, I'm talking about women that we have in this congregation right now that are doing these things. They're well reported up for good works. They're bringing up children. They've lodged strangers, and that means they're open to other people. They're not sealed their life off, and they're open to other people, and they have an evangelistic attitude and a helpful attitude toward people. Wash saints' feet. They serve, relieve the afflicted, and have diligently followed every good work. This is the description of a widow indeed. Now, but in verse 4 it says, if a widow have children or nephews, that's not a widow indeed. They're to show piety, that Christian love and care at home. They're to require their parents to repay and return the care that they gave to them. God said this is good and acceptable before him. Now, we're going to get to this thing, and I'm just going to preach this best I can. I'm having a little struggle. You can probably tell that. This church, I I can't respond to what everybody else is doing, but in this church, I want to tell all you young people and all of us that are whatever, if we've got widowed mothers, it is our duty and our privilege and our joy to take care of our widowed mothers. And that better be going on in this church because I want to tell you something right now. I'm trying to not get in the flesh. I'll just be honest with you. God kind of pulled bridle back on me and said, you be careful. But it makes me extremely irritated for widows who have children and won't help their mom and dad. That burns me off. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. You're worthless. You're sorry. You ought to be whipped. You're going to spend your money and doing all this stuff, and your mama's sitting up there somewhere, barely making it. No good. Sin, wickedness. Now, I'm going to say a few things here. What's happened to us in America is we like Big Brother to do everything for us. We want the government to take care of everything we, that is our responsibility. And so we've developed these schemes of, and now the government's tentacles is in the care of the elderly. I'm going to be honest with you, even Social Security, what a joke. Get it, you paid it in, you get it, but it's a joke. Did you know the Social Security that you paid in, if you'd have had that money, the inflationary value of it, I mean, it's in the news now. 
how the inflation has destroyed your Social Security. You thought you was going to be able to take, you know, pay the bills with it? <laughs> Guess who's had your money? The government has. And, and, the, and here's what, the church has abdicated their responsibility and families have abdicated their responsibility. So now we want the government to take care of mom and dad. Now, let me say this here. I'm just going to, I don't know, I'm struggling. Please pray for me. We ought to take care of widows in this church, irregardless of their situation. We ought to love them and minister to them and help them. I don't care if they got 16 kids. If they can be helped, we ought to help them. And that's what we do. We take offerings up, try to help them. People minister to widows here. Being a widow indeed doesn't mean we say, well, you don't have to help you. You're not a widow indeed. Somebody may not even be a widow, but they may be somebody that needs help. Our charity shouldn't be limited just to widows or widows indeed. It ought to be to anybody that needs help, okay? Genuine help. But now the Bible says here, now if you, I want you to go back to 2 Thessalonians. Just turn back a couple, three pages. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 6. Now we commend you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly. Now watch this. He's going to talk about people that are walking disorderly. And not after the tradition which you received of us, for yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behaved ourselves, uh, not ourselves disorderly among you. Now watch this, verse number eight. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught. I'll just say it. It makes me want to puke. These parents that send their kids to school to eat breakfast, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You make God sick. Are you telling me that you're so lazy and so low down that you'll put your kids on a bus and send them over here for the government to feed them, the taxpayers to feed them? Is that how low down you are? No wonder we got kids that don't want to take care of mom and dad when they get old. Because mom and daddy wasn't taking care of their kids when they were young. No wonder we got kids who wants the government to take care of mom and daddy because the parents wanted the government to take care of their kids. Amen. We're having a wonderful time at the party tonight. It's sad, isn't it? Isn't it sick? He said there, and he said, neither do we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day. He said, I work night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. He's, look at what he said in verse number 10. This would fix America. One verse. This one verse would fix America. For even when we were with you this, we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. <coughs> you mean God? That God said that? Yeah, God said that. If you don't work, y'all not eat. That'll get you to work. Amen. That'll get you to work. That's right. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not pastoring a bunch of lazy, hound dog, south tit sucking people. We, the government's a big... I've got Jim making a, a cartoon deal of an old sow with about 42 tits on her and every agency in America is trying to fight for a tit. And that's what's happened to American people. We're just like a bunch of piglets. <laughs> Man, we're shoving each other out of the way so we can get on the line and get hooked up with the program that the new program the government's got to get our next check. Thank you. Somebody needs to say come on or amen or do something. Amen. Makes me sick. Ain't, I, I'm not, it, don't, you ain't going to be comfortable with this church. Your lazy hound dog won't work. Go to some old liberal church where they're signed up for socialism. Amen. Or get saved and get right. Amen. Amen. 
That's why I don't get called for revivals. Look at verse number 11. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, not working, not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by Lord Jesus Christ with quietness, they work and eat their own bread. Amen. Amen. That'd fix this country. I'll tell you, they're turn, you know why I ain't a Democrat and I'm not a liberal, I'm not a progressive and don't like most Republicans in office? Because they're all on the government hog tit. The only time they'll stand against it is not the tip they wanted. Yeah. Amen. You say you shouldn't talk like that. Yeah, I should. That's what it is. Yeah. You, you, that plain language, you understand it good. I know you are. You got it. Amen. Sad. The distance you live from your parents is not a factor in the Bible there. Sorry, low down infidels. I want the church or the government to take care of their widowed mother. Selfish. No wonder God says it's worse than an infidel. Tell the church to take care of your mother. I'll be taken out and whipped. Hypocrite of the first order. Don't even tell, tell me you love your mama. I'm sorry. Ain't right. Get you a CD and give it to him. Amen. I'll handle him. Some of you kids listen to this. You think I'm afraid of you. I ain't. You'd be like some of them cowards on Facebook. Boy, they're tough behind a phone, aren't they? They are really tough. I had a guy, I mean, this week, you can believe what he told. Oh, I thought, nah. I'm not going to give him the pleasure of responding to him. So, we went all down to the close. 1201. That's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> I told you I went to see Miss DeGase this week. I told you she'd been at Ava. I went over there once to see her. It's a bad time. There is, COVID's a bad thing and it's been a rough deal, especially people with conditions. But you go in there and you sign all these papers and wear these masks and put on these gowns. The time you get all that on, you're like, you know, man, I don't. And for, and she's Mount Grove now, for eight weeks or more, I had a bad cough, sinus infection, and, you know, I'd say something about going to Karen. Karen's like, man, you're going to walk in there and they're going to ask you if you've had a cough, and you're either going to lie or tell the truth. If you tell the truth, you ain't getting in to see them. Now I walked in that room and I sat down, and God smoked me about not going to see her. James chapter 1, verse 27 says, Pure religion, not salvation, but pure religion is visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. That's what your Bible says. Mrs. DeGase, I called her old faithful. I can guarantee you. You know what she told me yesterday? Boy, I miss coming to church. Boy, I wish I could come to church. Her husband served in Europe, World War II. She never had any children. She worked at this school for years and years, faithful member of this church, praying and encouraged me. I wouldn't know how many times she's encouraged me. I've got stuff all over my house, paintings that she's painted, cards that she sent me, trying to encourage me. So I sat there and I said, God, 
what can we do? And uh, there's a, a family, and I'm not here today unless I haven't seen you, but he, sent, he handed me a note three or four weeks ago when I mentioned this, and he said, if you have a, develop a team or whatever that, to help widows, he said, I want to be on. There you are, back yonder. You know, I had that little piece of paper you gave me, and I lost it yesterday, took it in my study, and I cannot find it. So I didn't even know what to call you. I, don't, I can't remember your name, and I'm so sorry. But he sent me a, car, or a little note, and he said, Reggie, if you start that, I want to help. All right? Now, there's two things I want the church to do, and I believe this of uh, the Lord, and, and I, we don't have elections around here, okay? <laughs> Number one, I want to start a group of men and women and young people, whoever wants to be, and, and you're going to sign up for this, but you'll be available to help widows if they have a need. They need a window fixed. They need to get somebody there to fix the plumbing. If you just be the one that does the calling and arrange, make sure it's there and get someone who is a widow's helps. And it's not just widows indeed, but just anyone here. But, you know, if somebody in our church that's an elderly like woman like that, and she doesn't have a husband to help or anything like that, and it could be an elderly couple that the man's getting the age, he can't do things. But we need a group in this church that will be prepared to mow a lawn, to pick up brush if something, a tree needs to be like, they'll think they missed the track right about where you're at, right over there. Uh, young people, Brother, brother uh, uh, Glidden brought a group of young people to your house back here a while back, didn't they? And cleaned up a bunch of limbs and stuff. Was that a blessing or not? And so what I want to do is start that. I don't know who, you know, maybe Brother Glenn, maybe you, I don't know, but we need somebody to head that up and coordinate what needs to be done. If it's just two people need or two, two girls that needs to go out, you know, it, there's going to be different things. But we need to establish a widow's or elderly people's helps team in this church. And I want that done. I'm begging you in Jesus' name, sign up for it and, and say, I'll be available to help. More about that later. But we'll get started. As quick as I find, you know how I am? I delegate. As quick as I give it to you, you're on your own. You go. I'll help you. If you talk to me, I'll help you any way I can. Make sure you got what you need. But I don't follow anybody around on stuff. Ask Connie a friend that. <laughs> just ask Linda back there on that. Number two. And I need help here. Chris, Sister Chris, uh, Sister Diane, Sister Allison, is she here this morning? I can't. Anyway, I'd like to, I'd like to meet with you and your husbands about this. But here's what I want to do: if we have to, if we can't get her back to her home, I want to go out here this coming week. And this is amazing because all this come together this right now. I mean, I walk in that room. We're, I was preaching on this. I walked to visit a widow indeed, and it's like Lord. But this week, uh, Lord willing, I think Sam is going to use Kenny's grinder on the front of his Sam's skid steer and they're going to be going underneath among all them big trees down here in this wood woods that we have there's seven or eight acres down there and they're going to clean all on the road around the ball field and they're going to clean among the trees so we can kind of see what we got and clean up old dead trees and we're going to also take down dead trees that need to be taken down and try to leave it in a park kind of a look down on the road there there is a sewer and a water hookup and power and i want to as ASAP as we can to get Mrs. DeGase out of that nursing home. Amen. And I want her in a building down here, ground level, where she can be rolled out and look at the trees and the squirrels. 
And I don't know how all this is going to happen. Let's believe you me. I've said, God, how is this all going to happen? He said, don't you worry about it. Nothing's impossible with me. But we're going to need help because she's at a point where she needs maybe two people just to help her get up. Let me just tell all of us something. We're all going to get there quicker than we think. I'm telling you, because God Almighty, now I know this is a different kind of service we normally have. But I sat there and I saw the look in her eyes and on her face. And it's like the Holy Spirit said, Reggie, you are doing wrong to this woman. You are not obedient to Scripture. You need to straighten up and repent and do right by this woman. She doesn't have any kids. I don't think she has a nephew, does she? Does she have a nephew? I didn't know that. I'm, honestly, I knew she had a niece, but, and her niece does take great interest in her and helps her. But I, I want us either to get some kind of a dwelling in there, nice, and then I want to ask of this church, and we're not starting a nursing home. Get that. We're not government nothing. Government's not going to have his hands or tentacles in this about nothing. This is strictly a family taking care of its mothers and its widows. And I, uh, the church is willing to pay for the caregiving. Somebody feels like, you know, it, I mean, I don't not ask for much free grass, but I'm telling you. I, I'm just, I can't tell you how heavy my heart was when I left there. It's not right. And here's what I want to say to you, that I believe if we had a place down here, it'd be pretty easy to swing by and see her. Some of the kids could go down there from school once in a while and maybe do a few things as part of their educational experience. (laughs) Maybe it would be easier for us to take care of her and maybe others that come down the road. Now, here's my cautions, and I'm going to tell you. One reason I had done this years ago. I don't want to get into a situation where there's two or three people need a room and we don't have it, and they get mad because somebody else got to live there and they didn't. If you're going to have that spirit about it, I wouldn't even, don't even go there. You know, there's no, there's no deals like it, but that could become a situation. I don't want that. I, there might be times when we have three or four widows indeed. Now, this is only for widows indeed. Or a person who gets desolate because their children have absolutely forsaken them and are not taking care of them in the church, then I think we need to move in and help. So I'm going to be talking to uh, some of the builders here very quickly. We're going to want to put in, you know, the type of stuff, Don, that older people can hang on to in their bathrooms, hallways, whatever it is. We want to make it, what do you call that, handicap access and all that stuff. want it right. I don't want to spend, you know me, I'm tired of the bark on a tree. I don't want to spend no extravagant bunch of nothing. I want it real nice. I want it homey. I want it beautiful. But I don't want it extravagant. I want to use God's money right. We've got the money. And we're going to do it. You can either get on the train or stand by and watch us go by. Amen. But we're going to get that woman. If God will be my helper, that woman's coming out of there as fast as I can get her out of there. If I have to buy a mobile this week. I'm just not doing it no more. I just feel like God just slapped me upside the head and say, you're wrong. Now, I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I, this is a, I think this is the oddest message I ever preached in my life. <laughs> but it's what God got a hold of me about. Amen. And we are a family. 
How long you been a widow, sister, back there? How long you been a widow? Uh, nine years. Nine years. How long you been a widow, sister? Going on four. Going on four. Lord, how long you been a widow? Fifteen years. How long, Mister? Thirteen. Thirteen years. And we have several widows here in church, and I'm not going to try to go around, but I'm, it's a hard deal because the Bible is very explicit between a widow and a widow indeed, okay? I'm telling you, if you've got children, they need to take care of you. But if they're just not going to, I don't want somebody. Miss Cradville, Dolores, I don't want to come see you in the nursing home. And nobody, because I'll be honest with you, I don't visit people that ain't in the nursing home. You know that, don't you? But I want to tell you right now, there is, there is no sister. If I think if you said there's a home staring at the walls day after day after day after day after day, wondering where are the people of God that said they loved me. And I want to tell you something further. Our Heavenly Father will bless this church. Amen. If we'll just do the right thing. I'm not saying I've got all the answers. I don't. There may be things that I don't even even thought about, but that's why I want to have a meeting with some of you that's been caregivers and been involved in some of that. But I want us to do something. God help us. I can't, I just some stuff I can't say. Yes, Brother Ralph. Uh, I was listening to Isaiah this week in chapter one. I thought, man, that's better. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Yeah. Come now. Let us reason together to yeah. the Lord. For your sins be as scarlet. They shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the I just want to say, person, thank you, Brother Ralph. He was telling them what was wrong with the nation, wasn't he? What was wrong with their religious institutions? You're not taking care of people. But I, I don't know, you know what I'm doing, hardly. I didn't know when I started preaching what I was doing. But I know I'm right with the Lord about this. I know I'm on track. And I look back and I, I think what really troubled me this week was when I thought about all the dear widows that I've pastored and we didn't do anything for them much. We should have done more. Thank you. That's why I said it's not just widows. Brother Moxley's been everywhere but maybe. I mean, I'm not going to, I wasn't going to say, but Chris has been so good to try to help some of these elderly people. I mean, she's spent a lot of miles and a lot of time helping them in various, various ways. And I deeply respect it and appreciate it. But there's another example of a man who's a widower. And he has the means financially for things, but he's basically helpless as far as physically. Huh? And lonely as you can't believe. They say this, that when Billy Graham was holding his great crusades, that if he announced that he was going to preach on loneliness, there would be more people come to that meeting than any service he ever preached. And 
You can be in church right here and you can be lonely. Here's what I love about Christianity. It's practical. It's not just big religious talk. Christianity and the Christian faith is practical. And the problem in America is we've abandoned the practicalness of our Christianity going out and doing just simple things what the Bible says to do. Well, I'm done. It's 1215. I'll be talking. I want to meet first with uh, Sister Chris, Ralph, Terry and Diane. Uh, I told uh, uh, Lori I'd like to visit her. Uh, who, who some others? Linda. People that have given care. And, you, and here's what I'm going to tell you. Now you listen. When you work with me, you've got to understand something. I listen to you better than you think I do. But I may not take everything you say to, to, to say I'm going to do that. And don't get ticked at me. I'm just, that's the way I operate. Okay? But I want your input. I have to have it. Because I'm out of my realm. But I can't explain to you how grieved I was when I left there. I wanted so bad to wheel her out of there with me. And, say, and I thought how faithful that woman was to sit there year after year after year after year after year and how faithful was she worked. I, I don't know, Mona, can you, do you ever remember, did we ever pay her anything or not? If we did, what did we pay her? $30, $40? I mean, she didn't want nothing. I'll, go, I'll tell you one further you don't probably know. She's set it up for the church to get her property. Everything she was and is, she wanted to give to the cause of Christ. And she's sitting up there in a nursing home. God help us. Let's go home. Let's sing something. I got to get happier. Amen. Let's stand together. Sorry. I hope it didn't bore you. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine own and all. Jesus paid it all.